Hey everybody, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Valley Naval Gazing. I'm here with Ethan Fry. Hey now. Our guests on this episode, Derby Mayor Anita Degato and her Chief of Staff slash uh, Economic Development uh, Director Leslie Crane. We're going to be talking about land use in Derby, the Route 34 widening, the redevelopment zone, uh, Roosevelt Drive, all kinds of uh, land use talk. I hope people are into it. But before we do that, we owe WNHH 103.5 FM a happy birthday. The station turned a year old. Yeah. Uh, what's today's date? It's August something, right? It is August something. It's August 11th. 11th this is being recorded. Yeah, yeah we recorded this a little early because we're lazy. But uh, today, I guess, or yesterday, is we came on six days later, actually, because Lucy Gelman wasn't sure if she wanted to have mm. us uh, in the in the studio on the air uh, so there was a trial and a uh, trial run and we were allowed to debut this program navel gazing six days after the fact so what we wanted to do here to mark the occasion one year on WNHH 103.5 FM our pre-existing podcast we, we were doing a podcast before that but this made us like professional and got us some listeners Let's play a clip from our debut show. Okay. So, Mike, if you're listening, just try to call <laughs> one more time. We'll try to get you on the air. What sound? Okay. It sounds like Mike is just about ready to go. This is mm. exciting. This is the first guest in the history. Could be our first guest in the history of Valley Indie Radio. Very exciting stuff. So he's talking to uh, Lucy, the producer mm -hmm. extraordinaire right now. Yeah. And we should have Mike on in a, mo in a moment. And Mike's... Uh, that was it. That was uh, our launch. Thrilling radio. It, everything right starts somewhere. That was it. Uh, you know what? I'm going let, to... Let's, let's listen to a little more. I wonder how we recovered. He's going to talk about the Derby High School Athletic Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Mike Kenichi was our first guest. Mike now does a podcast for us called Valley Sports Rewind. Everyone should listen. All right, here we are. Back to back to one year ago. First Valley Indie uh, episode on WNHH. Hey, Mike. Mike, are you there? <laughs> Happy birthday, WNHH. I, I don't remember it being that hiccupy, but no, that was our very first. I yeah, I, I don't remember. I blocked this. it out of my yeah, of my uh, recollection. This goes on, by the way. For, this goes on for thirty minutes. <laughs> Here it is again. Hello. Mike is coming through somewhere. I can't hear him in, in my headphone. Mike, blink twice if you can hear me. I'm going to throw something on Facebook right now. Uh, By the way, Ethan, just looking back, thank you for your help here. Thanks mm, for like jumping in. Yeah. I try. So hold man. on one second. We're just going to try to work out our technical problem here. Oh, here's my son Jack just entered our, our Valley Indie studio. Uh, hey, Jack, are you ready to go home? What's the matter? Come here, bud. We're on the uh, we're on the radio right now. Here, you want to come over here? Huh? Hello, Jack. Nobody can hear you. What's up? Jack's homesick. Um. If you just breathe into the microphone like that, the police are gonna come. <laughs> what do you what do you want to tell me? All right, everybody. That was my son, Jack Driscoll, uh, who's in the office. So he had to stay home sick this week. But uh, anyway, that's enough of that. That's enough vamping. Uh, seriously, happy birthday to uh, WNHH. Thank you so much 
for uh, giving us the opportunity to put this podcast on the air and to get to know how to do audio, you know, another way to report the news. We've had a blast doing this. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't really want to do it. None of us, neither of us wanted to do it <laughs> uh, when the station launched, but uh, we did it and now I can't, I, I couldn't think of not doing it. Came in handy for election season, like debate wise. Uh, we had Ansoni and Derby, the mayoral debates essentially. The only ones uh, were on our airwaves, so that was cool. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, the, the one you're gonna, the episode you're gonna listen to right now, we're talking about land use and zoning and, and everything like that. And I don't think I, I'm not talented enough to capture that uh, in the written word, but I can certainly talk to somebody about it and have mm. the expert explain it to us uh, firsthand. What's up, Jack? Okay, Jack wants a lollipop. So here is Mayor Degato and Leslie Crane from the city of Derby. All right, I'm Eugene Driscoll, and I'm joined here in our Ansonia office with Derby Mayor Anita Degato and Leslie Crane, Mayor Degato's Chief of Staff. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You are. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you both for, for joining me. And basically, we're here to talk about land use in Derby. And personally, I mean, I live in Derby. I live on Hawthorne Avenue. Uh, it's a critical issue, I think, in Derby because how we manage or regulate our land affects quality of life in ways both big and small. Right. I don't know if people realize that. Uh, well, but, I mean, economic development, the environment, whether we're stuck on traffic on Route 34, whether that old house across the street from you... Uh, becomes a boarding house, oh. all these things, that might be from personal experience, or wh whether 100,000 condos are going to go in where Walmart uh, is, uh, is, is, is another one. But all these things come, come down to land use. Right. So the city of Derby, for at least, I guess, the last year, has been in the process of updating its plan of conservation and development. I was looking at a 99-page uh, rough draft of it, but... Uh, Basically, if you wanted to start, Mayor, if you mm -hmm. could give a, a quick summary of what that plan is. Like, what, what are its goals? Right. Well, the Plan of Conservation and Development is a document that the state requires. It's a 10-year dream plan. And ours, this time, is resident-inspired. So we had a lot of public outreach to find out, really, what do the residents of Derby want their city to look like? Yeah, one thing, one thing I noticed about years. this plan, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to wrong. See, I'm, sorry, I'm excited. I love it. Because <laughs> I have the mayor of, of Derby on. This is your first appearance on yes, our podcast since time. prior to your election. second reelection, right? right? Yeah. We've been busy. <laughs> well, and that's sort of what I'm going to say here because sometimes when you look at these plans of conservation uh, and development, a lot of times uh, they're just sort of a basic general statement of we have roads and there's sewers and people live here and here's stuff we pulled off google from the last census mm -hmm. but this one i was impressed uh i mean i'll just read a part of it this is there there were surveys that you mentioned these community forums uh this is from the very beginning of the plan a draft of which is available on the city website uh, the vast majority of respondents identified the derby greenway trail as derby's best asset they also recognize the city's convenient access to the regional highway network and public transit as a desirable community feature. 
respondents similarly shared a number of common concerns. So we had like, there's all kinds of good stuff in there, but then, because it takes some guts to actually address issues. The need to revitalize the downtown area, enhance Derby's general appearance, and improve its educational system. Looking forward, survey respondents suggested that the city focus its efforts over the next five to 10 years on providing mixed-use developments in the downtown area, beautifying Main Street, and redeveloping the area south of Main Street. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what you've been doing mm -hmm. sort of behind the scenes. I mean, this might not necessarily come up at a Board of Aldermen meeting, but uh, tell us right. a little about the, the, what you've been doing with this plan. Right. It's very exciting. If you know Derby, we have major um, acreages that we're not, it's not productive. And so, you know, that's a, that's a challenge. So um, our, ma our main street, half of it's undeveloped. It's terrible. So we put out a um, RFP for firms to uh, give us an idea of what can be done there. And then there were 11 that responded. So it went through a process, and they chose DPZ. And, you know, Leslie is the uh, nuts and bolts. She understands this whole process that we're coming right now. This is We're, we're at the very beginning of this process. We are, and, yes. and it's an incredibly exciting uh, process. It's not just like the POCD, and you, you very adroitly noticed the difference between the Derby POCD and others. This was a bottom-up grassroots document that was created. And s just like that, the ideas for the development of Main Street um, are will also be a grassroots, you know, resident and property owner inspired, business owner inspired um, process. Unlike most of the ways that it's done in most places, which means that you've got somebody coming in with, you know, this is the project I want to do, and they make an application to P and Z, and it's very top down. Um, so this is unlike anything that certainly Derby's ever seen, and there have been a few other municipalities in Connecticut that have done a similar process. What are some of those? Um, Bethel just did one, with also with DPZ. Um, in Hamden, Hamden did a similar process uh, in 2007, beginning in 2007, um, and passed through, used it for their zoning regulations for the entire municipality, um, and and so that process worked incredibly well. And just by way of, of um, reference, I was the uh, town planner in Hamden for 13 years during and and promoted that process. So you and, um, and that was a DPZ as well. That was well? not DPZ. That was gotcha, okay. um, those. It was a team of uh, different firms, not TBZ, DPZ, but but very similar process. So it, it worked with the idea of um, organizing and, and getting people to g s regular citizens, the you and me's of the world, and getting them to come to meetings, to come to what's called a charrette. It's a design workshop. Um, it lasts for several days. Uh, Derby's is scheduled for the week of November 13th. There'll be two workshops before that um, that we'll also we also encourage people to come to. Uh, one is, I believe, September 22nd, and I'll have to get back to you on the other date. Um, but the first one will be December 20, uh, September 22nd. 
and that that's the time for people to come in and talk about what their concerns are, what they like, what they want to change, what they don't want to change. Both of those pieces are very important. It's also a time to have education go back and forth between property owners, business owners, residents, and the consultants, and the other way. So I'll just give you a, a small example of um, a common misperception. Common misperception is that big box stores are great for your tax base. Um, big box stores actually bring in less local property tax money than a series of smaller stores um, because property tax is based upon your square footage of use. Big box stores look big because they have really high ceilings. It's not based upon the volume, it's based upon the square footage and then how those properties are used. So there, and, and one of the people on the DPZ team is going to map out, he has a, um, it, it's fascinating to watch, and I encourage everybody to come, if for no other reason than just to see this. And DPZ, they literally wrote the book on new urbanism, isn't, isn't that correct? Absolutely. Go ahead, though, yes. I don't, we can visit, revisit that, but Absolutely. finish your thoughts. Um, so uh, a guy named Joe Minicosi is on their team, his, um, his firm, and they map out the tax implications of different ideas. So if you draw out an idea just on the table, you sketch it out you know, in front of you and me, and then he puts it in and he ca you can see comparatively, okay, let's try out this idea, what's the effect on the, on the tax base? Okay, that's that, we'll put it aside, let's try the next idea, and then you can compare them. And you so can it's data-driven, data-driven planning. Absolutely. Because it seems like in the past, and, and I think this goes, to put it. this goes to your original uh, comment when you first started talking. I, I know I've sat through, since 2009, a redevelopment authority meetings. And it was the, the process then was uh, somebody would come in, a developer or mm -hmm. a representative of a developer, and, and basically... With a pretty picture. Yeah, lots of pretty pictures, <laughs> lots of big ideas uh, and it's Ground still happening level up and <laughs> yeah so what's different here is you're actually going to create this comprehensive i guess well comprehensive mm -hmm. plan uh that act that, and then you take it out to the market like what's wh will they work on a, a report that to what's the end result the end result is actually multifaceted um the end result is a set of zoning regulations for the area um mm -hmm. you know for main street to the water um, it is also, there's also a, a, you have the economic impact of that as a part of a report. There is a report that comes with it. Um, there are implementable steps that come out of this at the end. And you have, DPZ has the highest rated um, built, you know, the, the, these reports sometimes will just sit on a shelf. Mm -hmm. They've got the highest percentage of, of built projects. They get stuff done. Absolutely. Mm. People okay. know. One of the things that developers don't like is when things are unpredictable. They like predictability. They, they like knowing what the process is to go through from A to Z in terms of getting approvals. They like to know what's going to be going up, what the possibilities are for what is going to go up next to them across the street from them, because that's going to affect the marketability of their project. What It's called form-based code. But it, it's a it's a slightly different way of developing zoning regulations, and more than anything, what that code does when you code that way, as opposed to just what uses can happen, 
when you code based on the form of buildings and their relationship to each other, it gives people that predictability. They know what to expect. They know what that area is going to look like in the end. Now, the end may be five years from now, if it gets built out in five years, maybe 15 years from now. But regardless of when that end is, they know what it's going to look like, not in terms of the colors of buildings necessarily, but in terms of the form of those buildings, how they relate to each other, how they relate to the street, what that street is going to feel like to the people who occupy it. Because in fact, these days, you can actually develop, when you're developing a place that's comfortable for people, and when people are the priority, you're developing the public space between the facades of the buildings. And if that's what's given the most importance in terms of, of prioritizing what you're doing in an area, what goes on behind those facades is a little less important. It doesn't mean that it's unimportant, and it doesn't mean that you don't need to regulate it. But if something, if, if you have residential going on behind a building, or you have an, uh, you know, small offices, the impact on that public area between those buildings is much less if, if, what you, if you have that infrastructure of that public area. Now, this form-based form, form based code, yep. is that the phrase? Uh, does that take the politics out of it? Because one thing I've noticed in Derby is that going back to long before we launched or I moved up here, I mean, the, the term of mayor is two years. So you've got this incredibly complicated piece of or pieces of land <laughs> and uh every two years you've got political uh people beating each other over the head with it uh by putting this code into play ex essentially uh, and excuse me if i'm like is this rezoning the land it yes it's it you can it's, you can say form-based regulations if it's you know it's the same thing okay so it's does a that, set of rules so this even long if it takes 15 years which i you know we all mm -hmm. hope it, it does not but this, that plan it is there. Uh. It, like anything else, can be amended um, if things change. But one of the things that um, DPZ concentrates on, and I think in this day and age when we're looking at issues of green buildings and sustainability, we're looking at how do you build buildings that you don't have to take down in 10 or 20 years mm and rebuild, because that's just not a sustainable way to live. So we look at how do you, how do you code for buildings, how do, you, how do you zone and regulate for buildings that can be reused and reused and reused over the next 100 years. Mm -hmm. So that, for instance, if you have one of the, you know, people talk about mixed use a lot. If you construct a building that has the opportunity and the architectural detailing and and um, proportions on the first floor that can allow for retail, commercial, or residential, and similarly with commercial and residential above, you're allowing that building to change the use over time without having to change the building. That's fascinating, and it brings up another, uh, and I, I didn't say we were gonna talk about this, but I, I have a question now, uh, buildings that don't last forever. I'm thinking of Walmart over on Route 34, mm. which painfully, the corporation decided uh, to leave that spot, and then Adams right next to it, uh, I guess as right. the economy changes, or uh, they don't pay me enough to figure that stuff out. So we're gonna have two big empty spaces there. Uh, 
I mean, is that property or that uh, shopping center sort of an example of the old way of, of designing a building? And do you have any, everybody on our, our Facebook page, there's 12,000 people. Kind of weird, yeah. They're all saying condos are going there. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, we've, that's just a really, I mean, we don't publish rumors, but yeah. there comes a, the, a point where it's just, you have to address it. The reality of what happens in Derby hits the Planning and Zoning Commission. So if nothing's been proposed to the Planning and Zoning Commission, so really then those rumors really are just rumors. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't been in contact with anyone saying they wanted to build condos there. And what kind of, I mean, that's a, it was a Walmart. Mm. And that's a change of use. So that more importantly needs to go through that, the process. You know what? That actually was my question. Yeah. If I want to, let's say I won the lottery tomorrow and I'm just like, you know what? Walmart looks good for condos. I go and I buy the land. Can I just uh, show up with a truck the next day and just level it? Nope. No, so you can't even do it. So that's <laughs> not, it's, it's impossible right. unless the planning and zoning got together and said, all right, let's rezone that. Because mm -hmm. I would think the last thing that Derby wants <laughs> at that shopping center is 200 condominiums. That right. doesn't seem to make sense from a planning perspective. We are looking at, um, and the Planning and Zoning Commission particularly, is looking at rezoning. Right now they're looking at the CDD's area, which is the center of Center Derby. Design District, like you were saying. Elizabeth Street? Yeah, yes. that's the ladies. We call them Elizabeth, Olivia, Caroline. I never realized Nerva. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the four ladies. So we're so the Planning and Zoning Commission is looking at, re, at rezoning those areas um, and changing the CDD zone to something that is, again, more um, predictable. And so developers don't have to come in and, and reinvent wheels and something that is both business-friendly in terms of predictability, in terms of um, you know size and, and bulk regulations. But getting back to Walmart for a moment, and I will say I, I wear a couple of hats with Mayor Degado's um, generosity, and so I also do the economic development piece for the city, and no one has come to me about that parcel either. So again, I just want to emphasize what the mayor said, which is, all the rumors out there really are just that. They're just rumors. Has your office or uh, anyone reached out to the uh, plaza owners to talk about what's happening uh, at that plaza? Yeah, I uh, have spoken to Chris, who's the, um, he does the um, retail, he, he rents. And uh, he says, he's over oh, their broker, okay. The broker, DLC. Yes, he, he's in charge of rentals. Can you DLC. pass my phone number on to the guy? He never calls me. <laughs> but he, he, so they're, they're, he assured me. He assured me Derby is their number one priority, and you know I didn't, I didn't pry. I just said, just understand that, you know the, the Derby's um, demographics and the studies, or distressed community. Um, it Derby's full of different personalities. We have three wards, and and the ward that Walmart is in is definitely not the. Um, it, 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 it's yeah, not the downtown. And so, you know, the, I explained to him that we want something that will fit into that third ward, in, into that demographic. Don't just look at Derby as a hall, because, you know, we do have, we have a, the whole first ward is, is really distressed, and it's okay because it's the oldest. It's going to be more distressed, but we're working on that part. And I just wanted to make him aware where Derby is going and just don't look at us as the statistics on the board. 
So we get we get uh, stigmatized, mm-hmm. essentially. Well, probably because you have reporters able to afford houses. So it's me and like Ethan, our kind. Uh, we don't appeal to. But we love your kind. It's <laughs> good, normal. <laughs> Right. Middle class. Working class, <laughs> working class. But we, we don't appeal to these, uh, some of, oh, I'm going to get into a whole, <laughs> we'll okay. just move on. I was gonna, we'll we don't appeal to on. the <laughs> White Plains, Westchester County, New York real estate brokers on paper. And that's unrealistic but. too. I mean, we're not going to ever attract the, the Westport people. I mean, we're not, so not yet. But, you know, that's not in our near future. So, but we like the middle class. We want to be middle class. Yeah, and you brought just in that in talking about Walmart. There, you brought up. We've just talked, touched on two other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, the the what's it called again? The Center Design. I'll never the CDD zone. It's the Central Design District. What are the challenges right now with downtown Derby? Why does it seem to mm. well, uh, struggle? I what I know of the CDD zone was supposed to be helpful for anyone to come in because the only thing that is not allowed is heavy industry and fast food, I think, is the only thing. But anything else has to go before the Planning and Zoning Commission. So even if you open up an office with a phone and a computer, you need to apply to the planning and you have to let them know of your use. So if someone wants to do a bigger project, they have to keep going to the Planning and Zoning. And So the, the developer who wants to put in a big project doesn't have predictability. They don't know where the end is. They just want to know how much. You know, the amount of money doesn't scare them. They just want to know how much and when can I get done. And, you know, basically. So essentially there's just too much red tape? Is that a? Not red tape, just process. It's process and it's, and it's, um, there are no constraints. Nobody is, the, the zone, the CDD zoning regulations, they were done with the best of intentions and they are actually an excellent example of, older land use policy that is now being supplanted by these form-based code regulations um, where you you have people know what they're getting the mayor's example of somebody wanting to put an office in is an excellent example you shouldn't have to go through the commission necessarily to do something that's just that basic you come in you get a permit to do it boom that's it you open your door um, that's much a much more business-friendly attitude and, and bureaucracy. Now, the other piece of that is that the city should know what is going on in all the different parcels, on all the different parcels and in all the buildings within the city for public health and safety reasons, if nothing else. So if you've got, you know, a residential building you know, single-family house, and that's how it's zoned, and that's how it was permitted, but suddenly there are illegal additions going on, and, and, you know, four or five families are moving in and living on the same piece. Well, that's something that affects public policy and public safety and health, and that's the the aegis of of the Planning and Zoning Commission, and that's really what... And uh, just, I mean, I only know anecdotally, when I was looking for a house in Derby sometimes I would go to a property and there'd all the house had all this interior work done and then you'd go to City Hall to pull the permits and there was nothing on it which would just terrify you because uh, I don't have to change a light bulb if something breaks I'm done but do you and the other places I've worked uh, like Danbury Connecticut uh, overcrowding and uh, illegal apartments were huge issues um, do and just from driving Derby every day from where I live, it seems we're overpopulated and there's just somewhere along the line, 
old houses became multifamily and condos went next to condos. Uh, I'm thinking of like Francis Street off Hawkins where you have like businesses and someone's backyard mm. and then a bar and mm. it all just seems sort of right. haphazard. Is there, am I correct or am I just being a I, no. out of state snob? No, no, no. I, I think you bring up a good point and it's a very good question. The When you have the ability to have more than one use on a property, it can, like anything else can be done really well or it can be done really poorly. And the, you, you raise a very, very interesting point about overpopulation and increased density. When the places that are most lively, that do the best economically, that have the most local businesses, are the places that have a critical mass in terms of density. If you live out in the more suburban areas of anywhere, this is true of anywhere, not just Derby. If you live out in the more suburban areas, you need a car to go wherever you're going. If you live in an area where you have two or three family houses that are zoned, where it's zone appropriately zoned and regulated, you can usually have a critical mass of a population where the you know small restaurants and and uh, pharmacies and banks and you know the corner bar or whatever barbershops and salons they're going to want to locate there and people can then walk there it becomes a hub of the community so it can be done well or it can be done poorly the the strength of the form-based regulations is that they usually result in developments that are done well. And the ones that DPZ does, you can you, all you have to do is Google Twani Plater Zyberg um, or DPZ or New Urbanism, and you can see how well they're done. Yeah, their background is fascinating. How did a city like ours, how are we affording them? <laughs> well... Um, when they first came in... Um, Keep in mind, I have no idea how much this costs. I just threw that out there. Yeah, so. Daniel, Daniel Malloy came in, and I, look, I look, showed him out the window. He came to City Hall, and we were sitting, sitting in my office, and then I had him stand up and look. I said, listen, we need a plan. He said, I can help you with that. <laughs> so Wait, the governor... applied for it. This but is the first time hearing this. It. Yes, this is very early in the beginning when he came, in my, in early in my administration. So the first task was we... Um, my Luna McBroom, we had uh, help applying to for a grant in the Urban Act, Urban Act grant, which we won, and we and we did get that um, over a year ago. So we've been. And it was like what four hundred fifty thousand dollars. I was lying. Four hundred forty-five. Okay. Four hundred forty-five thousand dollars. So. Again, RFP has to be developed. We have to figure out what we're looking for. The exact. I mean, this um, RFP. And we should just remind people, we're talking about the south side of Main Street that was commonly right. referred to as the redevelopment zone right. along the Housatonic. Correct. And that was a plan we needed to have to, to develop that. So it's tons of property we're not getting any tax dollars on. So we have to do it the best way we can. And Leslie, as a town planner uh, with a lot of experience, what was, what, what was your impression when you started to dig into the redevelopment zone in Derby. I, I know. I still don't under. I've been covering the city for seven years. I still don't understand what all the different issues are. What makes it unique, if that's the correct word? Um, I, I 
just want to take one step back from that, Go. Yeah, that sure. exact question. Um, when I, I've lived in Connecticut almost all of my life, I know Derby um, and have lived and worked in many other places. And when I first came and met with Mayor Degato, I have to tell you, I was amazed at how much potential I saw here. She took me on a tour of the city, looked at all of these places, um, and it just, it's so ripe for, for just that flip that we need. It's, it's, it's really, for me as a planner, this is what I do, it's so energizing and so exciting. Um, the, to answer your question, with the widening of Route 34, which, can, again, as everything else, can be done well or poorly, um, when you tend to widen streets, it, it gets cars through faster, but it, it's not always done understanding then what happens beyond the sidewalk. And so using this Urban Act grant to say, no, we what's important to us is what goes on the non-street side of the sidewalk because that's where people live. That's where people work. And you look at the main street area and, and we're actually part of the, um, part of what DPZ is responsible for is the main street area itself as well as the south side. Um, so connecting to main street. Uh, making main street a whole street again because before the buildings were demolished, it was a whole street. It was that, um, you know, the buildings may have been a little run down and, and in need of a power wash or whatever, but, but it was a whole street and it was comfortable physically to walk. You know, just you felt like things were spaced the right way. Um, walking down the block wasn't a big deal. As soon as those buildings came down, it's, it's like riding a, a, a horse with, you know, that's got yes. a weight on yeah. one side and not on the other. It doesn't feel like there's an equilibrium there. So trying to figure out how to do that, which is very exciting. Think about all the possibilities and all of the things that are part of that area. You've got two rivers coming, converging. So you've got beauty, you've got um, sporting abilities in terms of fishing or you know, just enjoying the water and other things, you know, kayaking or boating or whatever people do. Um, you've got, you know, parkland area that's just gorgeous just to, just to go. You've got the, the trail, which is an amazing amenity. You have the convergence of Route 8, Route 34, and a train station. There are communities that would just kill for that. So the pieces are here. The bones are here. It's just a matter of fleshing them out in a way that is going to be sustainable, that is going to be long-lasting, that is going to help create a critical mass of people that will help drive the... Ac the they're going to be the economic driver. They are going to be the economic driver for downtown Derby. Um, if you don't have people living somewhere, as, as somebody once said to me, if you, do, you can't have pedestrian friendly without pedestrians. You need to have people who live there. And we do have people who live there now. Uh, do. <laughs> right, yeah. Yes. Like Mayor Degato. <laughs> uh, but it's but once you get to but you you're probably not walking. Well, maybe you are cuz you're going maybe they're going to the river walk. I'm just no, nobody crosses Main Street though, right? I mean, it's kind of right now there's nowhere right to now. go. Right, there's nowhere to go. Mm. Yeah, there 
right now it's in transition. Um, and let's talk Route 34 widening, never happening, correct? I bought my building in 1986 with the promise Route 34 was going to be widened. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just say that. But, you know, with anything, I'm things being snarky, take time. But, but things take time. And, you know, the state purchased every building on that uh, south side. So they own every building. Where does it stand now? Is it still going to break ground in 2017? Is that still? I think we. I think it's 18. Spring of 18 is where it's going. We still have. We just went to a meeting. July 20th, right in uh, Newington, it was a utility meeting. First utility meeting, so they had all the utilities that ever cross that road, and um, it was interesting. Everybody just explained. This is going to be a big deal because it is the oldest part of the city, and they're all they all know there's issues, but Lord knows what's under the ground <laughs> <laughs> right and right now the state is doing some um, data collecting of um, what's under because it, it, the historical society says there's these big taverns under the roads you can walk water was brought from the Naugatuck spinning turbines to the Houstonic. so oh, right. the state has to you know get, collect all that data. They're still doing that? Those I, I was I'm hopeful sure. that that's all done, but that's well, still... Well, now that they own the buildings, now they have access. So gotcha, okay. And then, you know, the planning, the final design. So we're into final design. It might be pre-final, but it is final design. So uh, there's a lot of planning to, that needs to be done. They're thinking of filling in to equalize the road, you know, to bring the... Where the big hill is next to right. the, the bridge. Right, so that's got to be coordinated. So... You know, we, we are on notice, so whenever there's a meeting, Leslie and I will attend. We'll keep you updated. Um, so along with the planning of the new um, part of Derby there off of Main Street, it's the road itself. So it is happening. It's never as fast as we want to. How about, you know, just uh, changing gears here, and thank you for that. Uh, going down 34, uh, you know, towards the Yale Boathouse, on the right-hand side, there's all the old mill. Oh, were they mills? Mm. I don't know what, exactly what they, Factories. What they were. They're sort of beautiful old structures. You know, it must have been, I, I mean, I, since I've been here, they've, a lot of them just been sort of falling apart, but I imagine it must have been powerful at some point. Uh, and I've heard like various, sometimes people will come to a P&Z meeting, with, which sounds like a, a good idea, but it never seems quite to, to go anywhere. Uh, we're talking Route 34 down on the... We call yeah. it, we're calling it Mill District, which is, um, you know, again, it's revitalizing and examining our zones and to help businesses come in. But with any big um, factories that have gone on the wayside, they leave bad, you know, they leave bad Stuff areas. in the ground. Yeah, yeah. bad areas. So um, So what's, what's the city's vision for the future for that little stretch of road right there? I mean, you've got, there's a lot of... I mean, Derby Cellular on one side, um, then across mm -hmm. the street going all the way up towards uh, E Street. You've got a lot of... Mm -hmm. what, 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 what ideally, what would you like to see? Yeah, the Planning and Zoning Commission is working on um, revising uh, zoning regulations for what they're calling the Mill District. Um, and we've been... I, I am not at liberty to go into the details <laughs> right now, um, but... Uh, should brewery? Is there a should brewery coming? Should everything pan out, um, certainly we'll see a pre big press release and a lot of splash. 
there's uh, there's a lot of interest in those buildings. Um, so the press release you're referring to, that's a potential developer d coming or just a rezoning? No, 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 developers. Oh, uh, okay. And think about the terrain there. I mean, downtown is big hill there. Everything's pretty much flat, one level. It's very ideal for even a, a nice little district on its own. Mm. You know? Yeah, because I've heard... I don't know how true this is. I've heard brewery, brewery, brewery. But I don't know if that's... I mean, everybody's trying to build a brewery these days. We're trying to put one in the front office here. I mean, they're they're everywhere. <laughs> it would work. But nobody's... <laughs> let's all just take a moment to listen to the silence. This no, is no, a reporter's no. We're life. Just not at, we're just not at liberty to give... I know, and I'm just giving you a hard time because obviously okay. you don't want to kibosh someone's potential real estate deal. I would. Uh, We're looking would to assume. be as bin business friendly as possible, and part of that is respecting confidentiality. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and you know, I had I received an email uh, the other day. Uh, this outreach committee you have coming up to work with uh, DPZ Partners, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Florida-based firm uh, that's helping you out in the downtown redevelopment zone. What's this outreach committee? H how are you choosing who goes on this uh, committee, and what will that committee uh, yeah. do? There's three levels, basically, mm -hmm. right? The first yeah. is advisory. There's the first is the advisory committee. Which keeps DPZ's feet on the ground of, in reality, what the n residents, you know, they're going to hear all kinds of ideas. And, you know, this advisory, I think, is a wide range of people that will keep them, keep it, I don't know. Yeah, keep their feet, keep. Keep, keep a reality on check on yeah. on ideas. Um, and the second is the ambassadors group. Um, and part of their charge, a big part of their charge, is these are people who are um, leaders of one sort or another in the community who their biggest charge is to get people to the charrette, to the design workshop in November, um, and to the workshop. There are two workshops, the one in September and the one in October. And that includes, I think, elected officials, commission members. Absolutely. Everyone who volunteers. We have an army of volunteers. Yes. Those is that are the hardest part? Is it, is, it, is it tough to get? Uh, I mean, one thing as a reporter, we, we'll, we'll write about things until the cow comes home, yes. and then nobody, yeah. nobody reads it until they get, like, a tax bill, and suddenly, it, right. whoa! Yeah. Like, well, wait a sec. There was... You know, I'm charter revisions happening right now, I love and I guarantee say, zero will show up to the public hearing that's coming up. And they'll say, up. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you try to get people, and, it, and, and again, this is, it's hugely important to the future of Derby, uh, regardless of your political affiliation, uh, how do you get people involved? Hmm. And this is where it's part of DPZ's charge. So, I mean, they have a plan. And, you know, the excitement is there. We have a lot of um, young people that they're going to be here in 30 years when this is all working, you know, so we want to really entice them to say, listen, this is your future. This is what you, your city it's not going to be my city. I'm not going to be here in 30 years. You are. So that's how we're approaching this uh, outreach. They have two people on their team who are specifically dedicated to this public outreach process. But they're not the ones going door to door, making the phone calls or encouraging. They're helping us to organize people to do that. It's Frankly, mm -hmm. it's up to all the citizens of Derby, residents, business owners, property owners. As the mayor said, it's the city belongs to the people who live and work and play here. And they're the ones that need to show up. And so it's the leaders of those groups and that we're looking to kind of harness their energy and get them to bring 
everybody that they know to these mm -hmm. workshops in Chirac. Engaged or not engaged, we want them in the room. There you go. <laughs> uh, and speaking of that, you're doing a weekly, uh, you're still doing your yes. weekly uh, open door. Tell people uh, yes. when that is and, and when they can come I've been break into your office and yeah, talk about land use. Wide open on um, every Thursday, 5 to 7, and I've held it in the Alderman Chambers. Um, next week I'll be at Hotchkiss House. I'm taking it on the road. So we have um, the firehouse is um, hosting our is that the 18th next week? Yes, that's next week. So I'll be at Hotchkiss House for um, for accessibility. It's easier if people could just walk to the firehouse and sit and talk, and I could tell them again, more specifically, what's going on, answer their questions, and um, in their area, their specific area, because you know they, they live out on the in the third ward. Probably be at Walmart. It would probably. Be I'm the second one. Yeah, I forget those. Yeah, oh, Walmart. Yeah, we get a lot of Walmart questions. We'll probably get a lot of Walmart questions, and you know, I did. Where well, the condos are not going. Yeah, we haven't seen them at planning and zoning, um, and I I am um, in contact um, with Chris, and I told Chris I'm going to call him monthly <laughs> to get an update. Um, even though Walmart has closed its doors, they will not vacate the property until the end of the year. I know that. Um, it's a different story with. Uh, Adams, I think Adams will vacate at the end of their lease, which is September 21st. So, and I'll know more and I'll share it next week. So, I'll make a call before that. Okay. <laughs> is there anything else uh, you two wanted to add, perhaps, that I didn't uh, uh, touch upon that you were hoping to tell the public through this wonderful podcast? Yes, I love this. You have a great, I mean, it's just we've been very quiet because we've, like we said, we've been very busy and there's so many. Um, parts to it so yeah. I would just encourage people to mark September 22nd on their calendar and um, we're going to be having the workshops and the uh, the week-long design charrette at the ballroom on Elizabeth Street uh, two or three doors up from yeah Archie Moore's right it's right yeah yeah the big window you can't exactly, miss it exactly you yeah. can't miss 33, it 33 I think 33 is how it is okay Street. So we encourage people to mark their calendars for that and uh, and show up. And we want to hear your ideas and your concerns and everything on the table. There are people who know things that mm. they may not realize that they, they're they the ones who are going to bring that information to the mm. table. So be part of the process. The other thing is it's fun. Mm -hmm. I know land use can put some people to sleep when you say the words, but this process is fun. I've been through it. It's fun. I'm excited. All right. Well, Mayor Degato, Leslie Crane, thank, thank you. you so much thank for, for coming down and, and chatting. I really appreciate it. All right. So that was Derby Mayor Anita Degato and her chief of staff, economic development director, Leslie Crane, talking about land use in the city of Derby. So we'll close it out real quick. Ethan, let's do a couple of this week in history stolen from derbyhistorical.org let's okay uh monday august 26 1907 we're gonna stay in 1907 1907 ansonia the well-known elderly wanderer johnny o the woods makes a short visit to the city the fund set up for his care is now up to 200 dollars. he implies he wouldn't mind staying in ansonia but would like to remain free until the cold wa weather comes. Jack, who do you think what? would win in a fight, the Leatherman or Johnny of the Woods? Mm. That's a good question. 
The other person. The other person? Okay. Yeah. All right, what's the next one? Uh, it was noted that unlike his prior appearances, this Wait. time he was very clean and dressed nice. Wore pants. Uh, the next day, August 27th, Derby, a trolley hits an 800-pound cow on New Haven Avenue, killing it and derailing the trolley. No, un- no other injuries are reported. And finally, Derby and Shelton, also August 27, a woman gets her pocketbook book snatched by a man on Elizabeth Street. When she resists, he punches her in the face. The man, who is quite overweight, you know my child is here. Is chased just, by a, this is uh, news, dude. Is chased by a crowd down Elizabeth Street, but every time they get close, he keeps them at bay with a revolver. When a Derby police officer this is made up tries to apprehend him. He points the gun at him and implies that he is with the black hand. He runs across the bridge to Shelton where Chief Robbins arrests him at gunpoint. The man had been recently released for shooting a New Haven police officer and was, quote, living by his wits, unquote. Both he and the woman he robbed are immigrants from the same Italian village, the uh, <laughs> Evening Sentinel. That story kind of asserts. smells of a couple of things there. Uh, but yeah, like and was it, the was a, it's sort it... of a theme that like the the black hand was was responsible for like ninety percent of the crime. It seems in uh, in, in <laughs> the valley between like nineteen ten and nineteen twenty. What, what black hand is that? Like a f- um, before they had before they called the mafia. Jack, yeah, the black it, hand. It, the, you have any idea? No. Yeah, the. Um, there, there was like an actual criminal organization in like Serbia, I guess. But the Black Hand, according to Wikipedia here, it was a, basically an, a method of extortion, not a criminal organization per se. And the, according to a report in the New York Tribune in 1912, it says the Black Hand, quote, really exists only as a phrase, as an organization, such a thing never existed out of the minds of the police. Um, that, that does sound kind of like that. Yeah, that, that, that was a, that was a. Uh, if you uh, sounds a little made up. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix. There's a movie called No God, No Master about like Never anarchists back in like the 19 teens, and that article that I just quoted from, uh, it's about like one of the one of the guys from that movie, uh, William Flynn, the head of the. It was called the Secret Service back then, like the precursor to the. FBI and st- and things like that. And they were like they were the most involved in sort of investigating that sort of thing. Mm. All right. Well, on that happy note, uh, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Can I hear now? Well, they'll hear did. you right now. Yeah, that's oh. my that's my son Jack, uh, who's got a bad cold and was coughing into the mic. We'll have to replace that mic screen for who, whoever I our next guest or not. I was coughing into the mic. All right, we're gonna end it up. Say yeah, say goodbye, yeah. Jack. Um, goodbye. All right, see you next week. Later.